scripture is Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Good morning, church family. This morning, I would like to invite up Craig and Carrie Ann. I know you've been with us for a while. It seems like you're already family. But today, they would like to make it official. Come right up here. This is your family. <laughs> I've studied with them, and we've talked, and we've uh, gone through a lot of things. You've had a journey that's not just this year. It's been a long journey in following God every step of the way. But you have expressed your willingness and your desire to join our church. And so we know that you've been baptized in the past, but we know that you would like to come in on profession of faith because you love God so much. And so today, this is just the back of the, the, the commitment here. It says, I believe there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a unity of three co-eternal persons. I accept the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary as the atoning sacrifice for my sins and believe that through faith in his shed blood I am saved from those sins and its penalty. I renounce the world and its sinful ways. I have accepted Jesus as my personal savior, believing that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven my sins and given me a new heart. And I know you did that a long time ago, but this is just a recommitment to that. I accept by faith the righteousness of Christ, my intercessor in the heavenly sanctuary, and accept his promise of transforming grace and power to live a loving, Christ-centered life in my home and before the world. I believe the Bible is God's inspired word, the only rule of faith, and practice for the Christian. I covenant to spend time regularly in prayer and Bible study. I accept the Ten Commandments as a transcript of the character of God and the revelation of his will. It is my purpose by the power of the indwelling Christ to keep his law, including the fourth commandment, which includes the observance of Sabbath of the week. <clears throat> the seventh day of the week is Sabbath, and the Lord, that the Lord is put in place as a memorial of creation. I look forward to the soon returning. Re Pastor can't read this morning. I look forward to the soon coming of Jesus and the blessed hope that when this mortal shall put on immortality, as I prepare to meet the Lord, I will witness to his loving salvation and by life and word help others to be ready for his glorious appearing. So you don't have to be nervous. I'm already messing up for you. <laughs> I accept the Bible teaching of spiritual gifts and believe that the gift of prophecy is one of the identifying marks of his remnant church. I believe in the church's organization. It is my purpose to support the church by my tithes and offerings and by my personal effort and influence. I believe that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I will honor God by caring for it, avoiding the use of harmful substances, abstaining from all unclean meats for the use, the manufacture, or sale of alcoholic beverages, the use, the manufacture, and sale of tobacco and any other forms for human consumption and from the misuse or trafficking of narcotics and other drugs. It sounds like a, uh, a, a uh, legal statement, does it not? But basically saying that our body is the temple of God. I know and understand the fundamental Bible principles as taught by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I purpose by the grace of God to fulfill his will by ordering my life in harmony with these principles. I accept the New Testament teaching of baptism by immersion 
and have been baptized in public, expressing that faith in Jesus Christ of the forgiveness of my sins. And last but not least, I accept and believe the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the remnant church of the Bible prophecy and that people of every nation, race, and language are invited and accepted into its fellowship. I desire to be a member of the Madison East Seventh-day Adventist Church. How many of you would like to welcome them this morning into our family? <laughs> These are all your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to say welcome, and we have a little certificate here for you. Here's Thank Craig you. for you, Thank and you. Carrie Ann for you, Thank and welcome. So those of you who have been a long time Seventh-day Adventist, when I started reading those off, didn't it bring back memories? Didn't it give you that kind of, oh, I remember when? It's one of those things that every time that somebody comes into the church, we, we kind of follow along with that. So this morning, as I get some technology working, <laughs> young people, here's a task that's not normal. Okay, and for those of you who like to count words, you can count the word power, but you're going to have to look for this. Find the hidden power in the sermon. You will find it when the sermon is complete. There's a certain riddle to that. There is something that the word power is not just written or, um, or said by me, but if you look at the whole sermon, you will find the word power, okay? And we'll start now. Let's bow our heads as we open the scriptures this morning. Dear Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit because, dear Father, without your Holy Spirit, it's just up to my opinion. It's just up to the scripture and it's just up to the opinion of the writer. But, dear Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit this morning so that you may whisper in our ears in spite of the things that are going around us in the world, that you would speak to us and to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm always scared when I ask that question of the Holy Spirit because I don't know what he's gonna say today. But I do know that I have a structure and a sermon and everything ready, and then we're going to start right now. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter one. How many of you would like power that never went out? We're approaching winter, and how many of you have ever had the power go out? <laughs> Get the candles out and the long underwear. And, uh, or if you have a fireplace, get the wood and put it in the fireplace and let's start burning it. Acts 1, starting with verse 1. The first account I composed, Ophelius... Theophilus. How would you like the name Theophilus? <laughs> About all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up into heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostle whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. 
Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised. How many of you are good at waiting? Hmm. Some of us are not so good at waiting. I want things yesterday. For what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? How many of you have been tempted to take the news and make it something about God? In fact, there was a TV show where the guys used to do that daily, and it would change every single day. But usually we like to make the things around us into something that is godly or not godly. And listen to what is said. Jesus said to them, he said to them, as you are waiting to vote next week, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times, or in some Bibles it says epochs or times and seasons, for which the Father has fixed his own authority, but that you will receive what? Power. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit first, but it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remote part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he lifted up, and while they were looking on in a cloud, received him out of the sight, and as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothes stood beside them, and they said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. It's kind of a neat story. In fact, it's not the end of the story. But I want to focus on a little bit here, just verse 7 and 8. How many of you have ever asked for God to speak to you because nothing else was working? Or how many of you have asked God and said, I need something, God, because I'm really, really not doing well right now, or God, I am doing wonderful right now, and I'm just wondering, <laughs> am I doing everything right? <laughs> it's an exciting time for the disciples as they're hearing Jesus end his earthly ministry. You realize encapsulated in these words today is the end of Jesus' ministry here on earth, because what happens afterward? <whistles> right in front of them. And as the disciples are, are contemplating all that's happening, they're trying to think of all the things that he ever taught them. But Jesus, in his final word to the followers that he had, his closest followers, Jesus mentions this one thing one last time. I will send you someone else, the Holy Spirit. And I even read this week that there is one thing that is missing in the end of time. This is very fascinating that at the end of time, we will be lacking what? We'll be lacking the power. And the power is always associated with the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus is about to come, the Holy Spirit is not as evident in his people as it has been in the past. 
It's interesting when we study that today that we look and we see the heart of the matter here, the text, verse 7 and 8. Jesus speaks to him in this way. It is not for you to know the times and periods. It is something that will happen. You don't have to worry about how God is going to come back, when he's going to come back, and who is in charge of everything around you. What you need to worry about is, do you have the power? Do you have the Holy Spirit with you? And you can know that you have the Holy Spirit because what's going to happen next is why the Spirit is given. So let's look at seven and eight. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed on his own authority, but that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit that has come upon you and you will be my what? Witness. Yeah, oh, (laughs) A witness is something that we really, really are uncomfortable with as Christians because we don't understand how the Holy Spirit talks through us. Let me give you an example, and I think I've given this before. I think when I was doing evangelism school with um, Ron Halverson Sr., I've said this before, I think, But after an evangelistic meeting and he is speaking Brooklynese and the people in the front row have to have towels because he is one of those that just utterances everything everywhere. He is lively. He was a wonderful man. I loved him to death. He just, he spoke from the heart and you could tell. And as he spoke, we were like clicking through the slides and making sure everything's right. And we're like, oh, I hope God's using us. This is really crazy. We can't keep up with this guy. This is crazy. We look at each other like, I hope we're on the right slide. He's off track. He's not on script. I don't know where to go. And we're going. And afterward, we were like, oh, this was a disaster. A little lady and her daughter came up to the front and spoke while we were in earshot. The guy that was running the computer with me was from China. He spoke Mandarin and about four other languages very well. And the mother was talking to the daughter and she was interpreting to him. And she was telling him, I want you to know you speak the most wonderful Mandarin of anyone I've ever heard. And I heard the story of Jesus and what he has done for me. And I want you to know that I gave my life to Jesus. But where did you learn Mandarin? And my buddy next to me goes, I don't even know what he was saying. I couldn't keep up with him. He was speaking in English that I don't even understand. And I speak Mandarin. What's she talking about? You see, sometimes the Holy Spirit has to interpret what the person is saying because it's not about the person that's saying it. It's about your heart that God is trying to reach. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he uses even you like he used the disciples. This last week as I was looking, I even recognized a a couple places that Judas was used by God to be able to minister to someone. Can you believe that? Judas, the one that was totally against basically what we think Jesus was about. And he also used Thomas. What was Thomas famous for? Doubted God everywhere he went. But you know what? God used him in his doubt. I'm like, oh, praise God. Praise God. Holy Spirit, please show up everywhere I go. Please show up because I want you to be there because I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed. So what does that mean for us today, this week, as we're looking at the future? Everybody has an opinion. 
But what's important is the Holy Spirit is not given to you to decide who to vote for. It's given to you to witness to people about the God who runs the universe. When he runs the universe, we look and we say, I don't know what God's plan is. I do the best that I can. And then sometimes God takes a left turn, he takes a right turn, and we don't know. But the thing that we're to concentrate on as Christians is that the power that God is giving the Holy Spirit will never run out. All we do is ask. How many of you have ever pushed a button like this and it didn't work? Where do you look first? Is it plugged in? Do we have a power source? And you look and the power source is plugged into the device. Then what do you do? Some of you are like, throw it away. <laughs> we go to see, is that power source actually powered? Then we even flip the thing up and down. Oh, yeah, that's working. We go and we test it again. Sometimes we spend quite a few minutes doing that and be like, just in disbelief, I can't believe this thing's not working. And then sometimes we go to the back of the thing and switch that little red thing up and down, make sure that thing's maybe not working. And then we go and we, we unplug it again, we plug it back in, we, we look all over the thing, and eventually sometimes it clicks, oh, I'm supposed to do this to it. Or, oh, I forgot the breaker had blown about a week ago. Or we find out something that's wrong with it and we turn it on and you hear that little whirring and you're like, oh yes, but sometimes it doesn't work, does it? It quit. Something fried on it. Well, the first thing I would like to look at today is the penetrating power of the Holy Spirit. Penetrating power. Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to ver read verse 12. For the word of, of God is living and active and sharper than a what? Two-edged sword and piercing as far as the divisions of the soul and spirit, but both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How many of you are good at judging people's intentions? not something we really see. How many of you can tell the difference between what is the spark of life and the breath of life? I mean, we could kind of get down to the nitty-gritty and take a, um, a scan of somebody's body and maybe find the cellular level and even maybe RNA and DNA, but we really can't find the difference between the two. We just kind of see what's alive. And how many of you have looked at the joints and the marrow of the bones? Some of you are like, I have. Can you tell the separations? Even when you get down to the molecular level, can you really tell the separations? It's very hard to do. But God's word penetrates you deeper and faster and in a way that you can't really explain pretty quickly. For instance, if we read this, there is about 50 different, well, maybe even more, understandings of what was just read. The Holy Spirit can be whispering to you and be like, you know what? You really need to think, take a look at this in your life. You're like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. 
That's, that's part of my uh, bone marrow. I really need that right now. Or, oh, that's, that's taking the breath out of me, God, right now. Don't, please don't do that to me. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to penetrate the most basic of cells in your body, and I'm going to awaken you in some way. He wants to not cut you and hurt you, but like a surgeon with a scalpel, be very precise in the way that he can operate and help you. It brings forgiveness to those who repent and believe. God penetrates the heart of the sinner, and it does that forgiveness that we can't even understand. Because even when I forgive somebody, do we have leftovers? Even if I forgive somebody, don't we have some things that still it's like you do it and we have preconceived ideas? Number two, God, his word penetrates the heart of those who are loaded down with burdens. It provides comfort to the trusting child. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 119. Does anybody know what Psalms 119 is famous for? <laughs> Longest. So which verse? Psalms 119, 165. And this was one verse in a song. How many of you would like to sing a song that had one verse that's this long? No one. Probably take 20 minutes to sing it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I look at the trust of a child, and I look at my trust, and I feel that I do need to be more like a child. I'm getting there. There we go. Still more. Those who love your law have great what? Peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. This is something very interesting because we always look at the law and we're like, well, it's a bunch of rules and regulations. But really what it is is it's God's character. And if we love the law of God, it will grant us peace because we're not only just doing it, but we're doing it for a reason of friendship and companionship with God. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it invigorates us. It penetrates us to the most deepest core part of us, and it changes us. So the great peace that we'll have is something that we can know that God is right there with us. How many of you would love peace, especially in the world we live in? Nothing can make you stumble. How many of you ever come out to your car and you push this button and it clicks at you? Some of you don't have these push buttons. It's much better for me to take a key out and plug it into the car and then go like this. I mean, it just feels normal because that's what I was, I was raised on. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. It's always been a push button. But to get something started, there needs to be a spark. There needs to be something in the ignition. And this kind of overpowering, overconsuming power is something that I don't understand because I am not mechanically minded. How many of you understand how a car starts? You know all the mechanics that go through it. I guess I'm not alone, okay. There's a couple of you that do. But when I turn the key, what do I expect? Rum, yeah, I expect rum. And when it doesn't go rum, oh no. 
That's not good. That either means my battery's gone, that means my alternator's gone, that means that some other thing that has a tube and goes like this doesn't work. I mean, it, it, after that, it falls apart. But when Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, he overcame by the power of God's word. If you've been le leaving your car there for 40 days and you've never driven it, it probably drained the battery. So when I look at this story and see Jesus 40 days in the wilderness, right before his ministry starts, for me, that would have drained me dry. But Jesus gets a person that comes down, maybe even two or three, and says, listen, God is still here. We are sent to give you power and strength. You haven't eaten in all this time, but we want to let you know that you are going to have overcoming power that will take over, and now it's time for temptation. I forgot to give you a reference for this one. Um, I'll have to do that later. <laughs> but the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and when he is tempted, at the end of all this time is when the devil comes in the weakest part of his life, and he says, guess what? <laughs> it's my turn. And he starts tempting him. And what Jesus does over and over again is repeats the words of Scripture. So if you feel like something is going wrong in your life, repeat Scripture over and over again, and the Word of God all of a sudden starts to affect you in a way that you've never had it before. Number two, we must depend on God's Word to overcome the onslaught of the enemy. Like Paul, we can be more conquerors through him that loves us. In Romans, if you look at that up, Romans 8, 37. What did Paul go through? Look at the things Paul went through. He went through all kinds of things, beatings and whippings and all kinds of things. But for the love of God, he went and endured them. So if you have an overcoming power, it's going to give you strength to do something like you've never done it before. Okay, I'll ask you this again. How many of you have said, I can't take it anymore, God? And he gives you the power. He gives you the friend that steps in. He gives you the six friends that come. He gives you the three friends that come. He gives you the one phone call you need. He gives you something, and all of a sudden you're like, God, please, I can't take the blessings anymore. Please stop it. And he says, but you needed me. And you're like, praise God, yes, I did. And I yelled at you, didn't I? Yes, I'm sorry. God is always there, and he will always intervene by overcoming power that will flood over you. What do you see in this picture? All kinds of things. I hear water, I hear rocks, I hear foam, I hear shore. It's all there. But what sticks out in your mind right now may be a little tall tale sign what you're going through right now. Some of you are like, I'm the rock and I'm being washed away. <laughs> Some of you are like, I am surfing the waves and hoping there are no rocks. Or I am the shoreline, I'm ground up rocks. I'm a mess. Or I am the water. Everything changes every minute. I just don't know what's going to happen. Or right now, I am peaceful. And I am underneath the water. And it's great down here. It's lovely. Do you want to join me? This is wonderful stuff. But you know what? 
wonder-working power. Have you ever watched the waves hit the shore? Have you ever watched the waves hit a rock and realize that that rock used to be bigger, but the waves have washed it down? Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke 5, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. Jesus has just told them, put down your nets in the deep water and you'll get a catch. And here's what Simon Peter says. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down my nets. How many of you have ever gotten a word from God and you're like, eh, is that you, God? <laughs> I'm not sure I should do this. But God, we have a good relationship. I'm willing to do it. That is what happens when the wonder-working power of God infects your heart. It makes sure that every little bit of your heart is repaired, and you say, yes, God, I will do it. In spite of the weirdness it sounds right now, I will do your will. Peter obeyed Jesus' word, and the miracle happened. What happened to those nets? They were filled to overflowing. They broke, and they filled two boats full of fish. How many of you are fishermen? How many of you threw a line in and 20 fish got on that one line? You'd be like, something's wrong. I think I'm, yeah, I'm awake. <laughs> It'd be the same thing. Their boats were almost sinking, but Jesus says to do it. And he says, okay, I'll do it. Wonder working power. The last part of this is we must depend on God's word to overcome the onslaught of the enemy. Like Paul, we can be more of conquerors and we can overcome, but we can also be like what Jesus said, the power of God's word. Uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done, John 15, 7. I'm not gonna ask you this morning where you are in your uh, spiritual life that you can actually do this and you expect God to do something, but we can be expectant of God to have the wonder-working power because he says, I offer it. Everlasting power. Now, for those of you who are looking at this winter and going, the bills are going to mount up because it's going to be expensive to heat my house. It's going to be expensive to heat the church because we have a lot of things that are going on in the world right now. It is downright scary, Pastor. You know what? God has an everlasting power that will never go away, and that's the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. And we're almost done here. So you can come up with the word power. Everlasting power in this text goes like this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And when God speaks, things are created. So when he says something to us, it will never go away. In today's throwaway society, not much lasts forever. Lifetime warranty means 90 days to 10 years. That's it. Temporal possessions, they deteriorate. But the power of God's word endures. Guns, 
tanks, not even nuclear-powered weapons can destroy what God has put upon the hearts of men and women through his word. The Lord exists forever. Your word is firmly fixed in heaven. Psalms 119, again, verse 89. So what are we worried about? The Holy Spirit is still here. Everlasting power. The last one here, revealing power. Revealing power. How do you know that God is there? Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, did say the word of God, as a discerner of thoughts and intents on the heart, says that we can obtain that, we can be discerners of the word. God's word reveals his will for mankind. It reveals his love and offers the promise of salvation to those who repent and believe in Jesus Christ. It reveals the Holy Spirit who cleanses, empowers, directs, totally committed Christians. He will guide us into truth. And let's turn to our last text, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into what kind of truth? All truth, for he will speak on his own initiative, but whoever he hears, he will, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you that which is to what? Come. So we know God is coming soon. But you know what? We have this, don't we? We have doubt, don't we? We doubt if Jesus will come during our lifetime. We hope that he will, but we have this little doubt. We doubt that God will change us as much as we need. We doubt that he will change other people around us. We doubt that our hearts and minds will be changed. But you know what? God wants to just get rid of that UBT. He wants you to do what he asks, and the Holy Spirit will fall upon you, and we don't have to worry about it. Because that's exactly what the disciples were worried about. They were, re they were worried about the revealing power that wasn't present in their life yet. They were worried that nothing would happen to them and they wouldn't be able to do anything. And so God's word reveals his nature to us. It reveals the love and offers the promises that we have. And then the Holy Spirit comes. The power is only from God and the Holy Spirit. You have to search to find it and be blessed by the Comforter. We see this in John 14, 15, and 16. Oops, I told a, a fib. This is the last one. Naughty pastor. John 14. But this is the thing that covers even those little unintended things. John 14, 15, and 16 reads like this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and that he may be with you forever. The other helper, by the way, is a noun. The word the Holy Spirit is also a noun, not an adjective. We can study that later, but it's known as a noun, person, place, thing, all something substantive, not ethereal. And when we ask for the Holy Spirit, the comforter comes and says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to make sure that you are motivated not just by the actions that you do, but 
it will be the results of love. Today, the penetrating power, the overcoming power, the wondering working power, the everlasting power, and the revealing power is available to each one of us. The question is, will you accept it? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we ask for the Holy Spirit with trembling hands, trembling feet, trembling hearts and minds because we know that when the Holy Spirit comes, all of a sudden we start speaking of things that we don't understand but we do experience. We also know, dear Father, that the witness goes out to the whole world after this story and that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, something may come and be a part of us that we're not used to. So I pray, dear Father, as it looks like the end of the time period is coming even upon us, as I see the signs and wonders all around, that you will once again pour your Holy Spirit upon all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.